0: 21 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. And, uh, yeah, we head straight into the markets. Markets have closed on the Janusburg Stock Exchange about two hours and 21 minutes ago. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I guess... uh, uh, markets uh, continue to have, uh, not necessarily rally. I mean, there was a tough start too this week. And uh, it seems uh, some pairing of gains and uh, a return to some activity there. But uh, we uh, look very much tonight into the company news. And uh, as I said, the guys who used to make those aerials. Are back and uh, it seems their strategy is to become a diversified infrastructure or smart infrastructure player. Joining me on the line to make sense of this is uh, Markwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer and Founder out at Markwe Fund Managers. Lochan, Lochan Masilela I I said I said to, to my people the other day that uh, the day I learned to speak fluent is in Debele it was lala lalapanz. Uh, so, 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 Mark, I need you to put a committee together uh, that is going to yeah. be able to, to assist me to learn. But uh, that being said, Mark, well, let's start with the people who used to give us the bunny aerials, ellies. Uh, they uh, continue to consolidate their hand. I've, I've seen them, you know, also uh, uh, partnerships and investments in the likes of Vox Telecoms and uh, now the latest Bundu Power in a 100% uh, all-out deal for just over $200 million.
1: storage, harvesting, connectivity and smart home technologies. So them buying this Bundy Power is one of the first building blocks, you know, when it comes to their new strategy and that will also expand their portfolio at earliest when it comes to alternative energy solutions. Mm. And in turn, I think bundi Power will have an expanded South African distribution network mm. and access to a group uh, remember, these guys are the 11.2 P.E. So I think it's a good deal for both parties. And it just shows you, you know, that when it comes to another way of growing, other than maybe renting re- the way, why don't you buy someone that you can at least consolidate into your existing portfolio? Mm. And then voila.
0: Yeah. And and I guess that's, that's the strategy in this case, to uh, piggyback on, Uh, what uh, these folks uh, are able to produce. And this is not to say Ellies doesn't have their own. I mean, they have uh, a very interesting set of petrol and diesel generators that uh, they take into the market themselves. Um, You know, 150, 160, and even 28, um, you know, I don't know if it's kilovolt, KVA. Uh, diesel yeah. generators that are already part of their product offering, and so in a way, the distribution and the marketing platforms for some of the stuff, um, you know, are already in place, and it's something that Bundu Power would benefit from.
1: Definitely, and you are right. You know, they just have to complement their existing portfolio because Bundu Power they specialises in the distribution and rental of generators, as well as the distribution and installation, mm. which I don't think. Elites have of solar and ancillary pro I and in mean, products I and mean, then providing alternative energy solutions. I mean, with all this you no know, shading, everyone is looking into doing that. But what's very interesting is that now you've got this market where you've got the chances. You know, we're also doing these things, coming with some cheap imports, and after some few months, people regret why they went for the cheap stuff because they don't like But yes, Need something which is very good, which guys will give you some at least decent uh, warranties, whether it's 10, 15 to 20 years, because you do get people who can give you that.
0: Mm-hmm. And we
1: know these guys, the Buntu guys, they've been more into your residential, commercial, industrial, also your agricultural and recreational users. And if you think about agriculture, I mean, these guys have been complaining so much when it can to even or stuff like that. We even had to have a meeting with ESCOM, in order to protect
0: food security, what do we need to do? Now, I, I guess the other the other question um, that arises here, you know, Mark, uh, is uh, there are a few conditions precedent, and I'm so surprised that, you know, one of the conditions, of course, uh, which we often see in mergers of this kind, is to make sure that those who have been owning and running the business remain in the business, uh, so yeah. they'll be expected to now be employees of Ali's, Uh and also that, I guess, before the deal happens, that, The two companies here that would have been owned by these siblings, it seems, uh, that that Mm. company be registered as a private company. A company making this much money, I mean nearly 20 million in after tax profits, um, was registered as a CC or General Trading? Remember, this company was
1: founded in 2005. Mm. And remember, those tax benefits, the compliance when it comes to CC. That you don't have to have financial stuff like that, so it made sense, and even when people our own cashing, they started business, most of them they had cCC because there was a tax benefit mm. a of part of it you know you don't have to appoint an auditor, stuff like that you know a book a bookkeeper can do your stuff, so it made sense there, and the cost associated running a Pty entity compared to running a CC those costs were less, ah, so it just yeah. makes perfect sense for them to register. They
0: should have just made it companies when they phased it out, the CC thing. Because <laughs> you know, now, Mako, well, you're talking of the time when it was still CPro. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and but I love Let's shift our attention to Glencore, uh, and uh, this is the entity which, um, I guess, uh, yeah, has certainly been checkered in a lot of uh. Uh, color and controversy here in south africa and uh, it's uh, uh, also started out i guess as a diversified commodities trader they also produce some of their own stuff now and uh, producing it as they do they've now put out a production report uh, for uh, the uh, full year of 2022 uh, in the uh, key commodity categories that they are involved in the likes of copper cobalt zinc lead nickel gold silver ferrochrome and also out in the world of coal, let's take and make sense of some of these numbers, um, uh, uh, Markway. I mean, okay. nearly an entire you know million increase in so far as uh, oil uh, dispatched. Uh, also, a massive rise in the mega tonnage of coal uh, that they've uh, uh, been party to, and of course some declines in some commodity types. Silver down uh, massively, and uh, similarly also seeing uh, some uh, declines in so far as zinc is concerned, um, and uh, 40% increase. Um, in the amount of cobalt that's been sold. Unsurprising if one looks at uh, the price of cobalt.
1: And it makes sense. You know, we know that the uh, a mineral of the future, you know, that's very good when it comes to all these global warming issues. Mm. And it makes sense, you know. And we know that in some of the countries where they're getting this cobalt, they've got some issues, you know, that they didn't do things right, stuff like that. And it's not surprising to see a nice increase of forty percent. And also when you look at oil itself up almost sixteen percent, it makes sense given what has been happening with the energy demand with oil prices going up. I mean if the price is right, why don't you produce more? But if you look at the group production actually declined by almost 7%, mm. if you look like for like. Some of this will help that the guys managed to acquire some of the assets. Yes, we know there has been some technical constraints and supply chain ratings, and then we know the likes of Michigan benefited from operating two lines, you know, compared to before, but that was also partially offset by that Canadian industrial action, and coal as well, it makes sense for it to go up by six percent because remember people have now started to go back into coal giving these issues about the energy which were resulting from Russia and Ukraine conflict. So yeah, generally they are overall twenty twenty two production volumes were in line with their revised guidance that they gave us in October mm. twenty twenty two.
0: You know Mark I, I, I I've it? just been looking at the price of cobalt. You know, the three-month price of cobalt, uh, Malalele, 49,000. That's that's the three-month. So if you want cobalt um, in three months uh, and you want to secure the price today on the London Metals Exchange, 49,000 US dollars per tonne. Now, 49,000 US dollars per tonne, if we take the exchange rate of today... At seventeen Rand and seventeen cents is eight hundred and forty one thousand Rand and three hundred and thirty cents. You're sorry? Eight hundred and forty one thousand Rand and three hundred
1: and thirty Rand. Remember even the likes of Anel Master, they wanted to I don't know how far he is with that team to try to secure, you know, those kind of minerals for himself, because we know they're also important when it comes to electric vehicles. Let alone the battery that we're using, you know. For energy suppliers, you know, when you come to them, stuff like that. So my point is, there's huge demand. And if you can secure some supply, the better. And remember, Genko by the way, is not just a miner. They also they mine and also train. Mm.
0: So, uh, yeah. of course, the production update they're giving us is for the stuff they mine themselves, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, as a miner, who also trains you and you understand both ends. Mm, that's what is true. the market saying, what are their values that side. And I'm not sure if it's right when it comes to competition issues. Because if I'm also a trader, I can influence the prices by not producing more. Meaning restrain or constrain some of the supply. Demand is high, then the supply is low. That it will push the price up.
0: But they'll say why don't you say that to OPEC?
1: And everyone is complaining <laughs> about OPEC, yeah, yeah. that this is not right going forward. Unfortunately no one has got the political will mm. to deal with OPEC plus. Now make you no longer have OPEC, you start using OPEC plus. Yeah. Meaning they include the other major producers like Russia as well. Mm. You mm. know? So in a way it's no longer that cartel that it used to be and as we have seen today there is some the committee there at OPEC. Recommended at listen, When it comes to production increases, we leave them as, as unchanged as they are, and then obviously the uh, uh, ministers, the oil ministers, will make the final decision. And I think it will be revisited again sometime in April. Remember, they also tried to do one when it comes to platinum.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Yo, hi, these guys. Uh-uh. Let's shift our attention away, I guess, from the world of commodity traders and production numbers. There, Vuki, the property fund. Uh, These are the guys who have a property portfolio here in South Africa and out in Spain. But I'd like us to just focus on the South African print here. Of course, um, the bulk of their property is out in Spain, 56%. But uh, the other 44% in South Africa. And uh, I say this again, Makwe. It seems in the retail property segment, the townships and the rural areas are the place to be. Uh, Because uh, this time around, if one looks at the trading densities, much, much higher in the townships uh, uh, and uh, in many of the taxi ranks, what they call the commuter portfolio. Uh, and similarly, I guess, uh, insofar as footfall is concerned and visitor numbers, uh, 11% up in the townships uh, and uh, also significantly up in the rural areas as well. What do you make of this?
1: <laughs> and I don't know what you can just call it, the taxi malls, you know. But it's a nice way <laughs> to, to use commuter malls. Mm-hmm. But remember, trading density. That explains how efficient a business or a store is utilizing the stock. Mm. And the higher the trading density, the higher the thing over the business, and then the better the cash flow position. And when it comes to those kind of malls, that defensive in their nature, you walk around, you don't see too late. You come into these affluent uh, malls, you see too late, stuff like that, because... um, Either people are starting to do more of online or maybe the numbers are no longer looking that good, you know, but back home there, because most people spend more than 50% of their money on food, if you've got an enter like a nice grocery shop, you are guaranteed good form. If you've got another discount retailer, you know, maybe part of the table of Pepco, you are guaranteed because given that consumers are struggling, they're looking for value for money given that people try to sure that their rent may push them to the limit, then that with for those kind of babies, and the footfall will continue to increase compared to your serious loss.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I guess, I mean, we also see it on the part of the retailers. I mean, it's not by accident that the likes of the Mr. Prices have started to go for budget retailers like Power Fashion or that, you yeah. know, the likes of Pick and Pay went and went for Boxer or that, you know, uh, a ShopRite recently would have wanted to go for some of the Massmart brands or Rhino Cash and Carry or, or Cambridge if, and so if, on, yeah.
1: The loan ShopRite clothing to try to compete in that end
0: as well. know mm, mm. What are going to sell? The Felskuhne?
1: <laughs> Let's leave that run, mark way, uh,
0: But but I guess the other thing, maybe just the last one on this um, print here coming through from Fugila Property Fund. Um, when one looks at, I guess, some of the pressures on the very meager earnings at times of uh, South African working class and uh, in many of the uh, black communities and the townships and in the rural areas, um, okay. it does seem that, I guess, a lot of what composition of tenants these malls have is sometimes very defensive even against declines in disposable income. People will still go and buy. They might have smaller basket sizes, but they're still going to yes. go to the malls and there'll still be that kind of footfall and still, I guess, uh, the type of sales volumes that
1: one would see. It's more volume more than anything,
0: right? Elise, mm, Makwe. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, I, I guess... You Know th- these are some of the stories. Uh, if one thinks of uh, the latest coming out of Ellie's, um, not so big an entity, um, but uh, quite an interesting one insofar as that is uh, is concerned as well. We also saw, um, the uh, story sometime last year or the year before uh, coming out of uh, uh, the DTIC and the International Trade and Administration Commission on slap Chips. What's happening here, Marco?
1: <laughs> okay? You do have enough potatoes back on me. Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why do you, you start there? <laughs> 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 now, it's very interesting that, you know, not every potato is right for slapping. So the problem here is for you to be able to do that. You need some kind of potatoes. Hence, we're uh, getting them from the likes of your chimney or Netherlands or mm. Belgium there were some tariffs imposed on them, 181%, and all because the commission was doing the investigation. So that six months to last, but the investigation is still carrying on. So that's trying to follow the right process, and it does not necessarily mean that after the investigation, they cannot reimpose it. They can still reimpose that. And yet, the guys, they know that as much as they have lost, as I said, the education is continuing. But what's also of interest is that the people now can now go and claim their refunds for any duties paid since. And if you look at the market players that the news comes as small, but much needed relief for the food industry. And remember, it's starting out the period where we've got global supply chain disruptions, high energy food costs, robots, high fuel prices. So it's coming at the right time, more or less, for that, But the whole story here is, guys, we do have enough. But unfortunately, for club chips, the kind of potatoes we have here cannot meet the consumer demand. So we need some specific variant, you know, mm. to be used to make French fries. And hence, the price will not like one. Input.
0: So, so, I mean, what seems to be the issue there? Because I think the, the issue around the potato <coughs> shortage was quite topical. Uh, on the social media streets um, at the start of this year um i mean what seems to be the issue here in so far as the primary agriculture is concerned is it that you know farmers are reluctant to grow the specific variant that makes more sense to use in frozen uh, potato chips as the processed product or what what seems to be the issue
1: i think our guys were focusing more on the consumer demand as we are not demanding more of french fries Kind of potatoes back home, yeah. mm. you know, we're just using potatoes generally as one of the vegetables that we've been using. But now, when it comes to that specific, you know, uh, sector which is French fries, unfortunately, the guys are not producing enough, hence they import. end for them to have an investigation, it means the guys complain the farmers mm-hmm. that right, There's some dumping happening here, so going investigate. But in the meantime, to protect us. Then they had to impose that tariff for six months. I think of 181 percent. Well,
0: we'll check uh, whether or not. I guess in the last while, since the um, you know uh, uh, provisional anti-dumping duty had been in place, uh, whether or not you know prices of the slop chips people buy had increased. Uh, but also, there's a big question of attribution as well. I mean, you know, are there other factors that would contribute to that? Um, you know, this shortage that you speak of. Um, and whether or not indeed it is and as pronounced and as people might,
1: say. then It might be that we are not that competitive as farmers back home here. Yeah. And then, importers and I mean, guys outside, they see an opportunity that there's a market there. Yeah. We can bring something there mm. yeah, at reasonable prices. And maybe back home here yeah, is that maybe the producing costs are high. We don't know. And those guys are managing to do it much cheaper in their prices. When it comes back home here, yeah, it becomes more cheap.
0: Well, well, I guess, you know, that might be one possibility. But um, if, as some of the people it seems have alleged, because that's why the commission would have been doing an investigation, is, you know, if indeed some of these um, potato, frozen potato, you know, chip products coming from these countries were being placed in the South African market or arriving or landing in South Africa at a price that is below the cost of producing the same product in South Africa, then that's dumping. You know, so so I think that's what that's what the commission will have to look at and investigate, uh, but it's a very interesting one because it affects downstream all of the spatchlows, gatsby's, and cottas that we eat, and um, almost every meal on every menu.
1: Remember, we're the very same story when it comes to chicken, mm. especially the stuff coming from Brazil. Yes, and what I'm saying is, people can complain, and a commission or investigation has to be carried out, but that does not necessarily mean that is true
0: think mm, the situation
1: sure, we might sure. find otherwise. But you know what? There's no reason for us to continue. We had the same story when it comes to steel as well. Mm, mm.
0: Look, hey, we'll take a look, uh, Mako, because these things are, are certainly of great interest, uh, be it in the steel sector or even in potato chips uh, or in some of the chicken stories that we've seen uh, on this matter in the last while. Even, you remember the chicken from the United States as well? There was an issue okay. around that. Uh, but yeah, only time will tell, I guess, uh, to what degree and uh, what outcomes arise from this particular one. But, Markwe, we'll leave it here for tonight. Always a pleasure, brother, catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Hey, Zela. Zela there, uh, Chief Investment Officer and Founder out at Markwe Fund Managers, helping us with our wrap of the top business stories.